Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli, and for Halloween this year, I'm going as the tired father of a three-year-old. That's not a costume, that's just reality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lorelai Weissel, and my Halloween costume is... Uh, I have no ideas right now, so I guess I'm an improv comic. Yes, and? Come on, give me, give me, throw, throw an, an object at me. A penguin. I think you've picked the two worst people to become improv comics with you all, Jay's muted. Look. A penguin. It's not supposed, a penguin. Well, yes, and? Penguins are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's how it works either. Look, this is why it's just for Halloween and not my actual job. That's it. That's the bit. It's bad. <laughs> I'm Brian Dawes, and I'm going to be Arjun for Halloween. So, Jay, can you please pick me up? No. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely pick him up, and he is already 43 pounds. I'm Carrie Thomas, and I'm going as, you know... I'm going to drain the life force from my enemies. I'm going to be a necromancer. <laughs> Were you born that way? Yes, just born. I was born to do this, you know. I mean, maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Does Maybelline Old give play. you necromantic powers? That would be sweet. That would be sweet. That's that's what we need. A whole plane in magic where the way mages interact with the different types of magic is by using shampoos so if you if you get like molten lava shampoo you can shoot fire and if you get like regular shampoo you're a hydromancer and if you use shampoo with the golden glow of angel sweat you can fly what (laughs) (laughs) all right welcome to the vorthos cast this week this week we are going to be talking about the finale of the gathering storm episode or chapters 18 through 20 so um this and this is going to be our wrap-up episode as well because this has been going for what four months now five months if we had 20 chapters right Yes, and a couple delays, so it went into, or a couple week skips, so it went into six months. Well, let's skip right into it, and then we will uh, chat about it at the end. Will there be penguins? Maybe. Yes, you'll be there. Yes, Arjun has a cute penguin dance, too. Um, <laughs> oh, now I need to see this. We're going to have to become YouTubers. Okay, so let's let's talk about chapter 18, which is my favorite chapter of the all the stories. Uh, and it's one of my favorite battles in magic fiction ever. Uh, I, Django just did such a really good job capturing both Niv and Bolus's power sets and how they duel and captured some really great differences and interactions between them now the actual plot of the episode is really simple uh the uh their their attempt their attempt to give niv the power of the living guild pact failed thanks to dovin uh and niv doesn't blame ral 
He seems proud of Raoul, which is like the first time he seemed like that. And after Raoul being so afraid he's going to get eaten by this dragon for so long, it's, it's a nice moment. And he orders Raoul to ignite the planar beacon while he goes and confronts Bolas himself. Recognizing that he, he probably can't beat him, but that he's going to delay him for as long as possible so that Raoul can summon aid. So Niv confronts Bolas, and I should note there's some immediate differences here. Niv points out how undragon-like Bolas is, how he carries himself like a humanoid rather than standing on all four legs. He frequently stands up like he's a human. Uh, and so there's some nice uh, characterization there where uh, Niv Mizzet, who is probably half Bolas's age, a little over half Bolas's age, is commenting on how Bolas has fell into these trappings of, like, human power. Uh, but anyway, Niv, in a very cool moment, activates these Mizium batteries uh, that just trigger and unleash this massive attack against Bolas. Uh, just to start off the fight, he he triggers the <laughs> he triggers these cannons, and it's just a very cool moment for him. My, so my my favorite part about that moment is that um, uh, you know there's all this exposition about all these batteries unleashing energy and them swirling around Niv, and then he shoots and focusing like this energy beam, um, and Niv's internal monologue is like, "Look, blah 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 blah," but at the end of the day. I favor efficiency. So it's just like, I'm going to unleash my strongest thing immediately. And it like <laughs> seriously wounds Bolas's chest, which is impressive to begin with. But like, it's just like, he's so casual about it. He's like, look, like, it's no big deal. I'm just going to lead with my strongest thing because I want this fight over as fast as possible. And I don't have time for this. Yeah, that's another example of this really good characterization difference between the battles because Bolas always plays with his food. He always toys with them and does not get serious until later. Whereas Niv immediately unleashes everything to finish it as soon as possible. And so when that doesn't happen, he already recognizes he's not going to win this fight. So it's just a really good story. Like, I, I don't want to get too much into describing exactly the back and forth of the battle, but it's genuinely one of my favorite battles in magic fiction and of the like the short stories we've had of magic it's probably top five if not top three or even like the best it's 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 really high up there like i honestly can't think of a better depiction of a battle in any magic story that i've read like i, I i'm i'm thinking and i really just can't do it like the the way that the 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 dialogue between the two opponents, the, the internal monologue, the description of the combat was just really excellent, and everything that I would have expected of both of the combatants, and I loved it. It was fine. It wasn't my favorite. It wasn't even my favorite Bolas battle that's still Bolas on the track in Future Sight. It was good. Really? It was good. Mm. Yeah, I still think this one's better. Yeah. The Bolas on the track has so much more trash talking. <laughs> the bullets in the Shrek is them dumping off a character that they brought back from the Armada comics for like five seconds in order to like throw his soul into a rift. I feel like a, there's just a lot more appreciation and I guess knowledge of both Bullets and Niv Mizzet in this case, which just makes it like more widely 
appreciated from like a fan perspective because like you kind of figure like the two biggest badass dragons in the multiverse being Nicobolas and Niv not necessarily Ugin because like who cares about him but <laughs> people knew that this was going to happen as soon as there was a Ravnica invasion it's like oh no what is Niv going to do about Volos because he's the only one who could actually stand up to him so getting to see the scene paid off Ugin is a lover not a fighter yeah. <laughs> so I think what I have to say about it is while the Lashrak battle is also good, it's also dragged out over like multiple, multiple chapters. Whereas this is a very good, like, one off fight. Sure. It, it, they're, they're both good. I'm not saying this isn't a good battle. I'm just saying I, I dissent that it's one of my favorites. So let's move on to chapter 19, which also has a really great moment that, that caught on with a lot of people. So Raul reaches the Beacon Tower uh, and meets up with Kaya and Hikara, and the Azorius just have the whole place locked down. So Kaya has brought in gargoyles that were gifted to her from Tomic, and uh, Master <laughs> and Hikara calls in Master Panjandrum. And his ex- extraordinary carnival of delights. Uh-uh. It's it's Master Panjandrum and Master Panjandrum's extraordinary carnival of delights. His name is part of the <laughs> title of the performance troupe. You have to say it every time. You're right. I'm sorry. No, no, that's true. That's true because they're ba- it's based on like you know the Ringling Brothers style. Their name is part of the name of the troupe. Yeah, we're Barnum and Bailey's, and this is just Master Panjandrum, which I'm going to say as much as I can this episode. <laughs> so uh hikara had called them in to help fight the azorius guards and there's this battle between master panjandrum's extraordinary carnival of delights and the azorius troops that are there but the one scene that caught everyone's attention was when one of the azorius guards seemingly decapitates uh a member of master panjandrum's extraordinary carnival of delights only for it to turn out to be three goblins in a trench coat. Love it. <laughs> so excellent. There's chef's kiss. There's been some debate on whether a goblin got decapitated and there were two more underneath it, or if no. it was a fake head and there were two only two goblins. You know it's a fake head. What is the truth? What is the truth behind Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights? We may never know. <laughs> I feel like the Shadow Gang brothers already went through enough, and we can't have another trio of goblins getting for getting real. Duoed. Maybe that's just a Ravnica thing now. <laughs> the triplets are uh, are like genetically more likely on Ravnica than anywhere else, and some of them have to die. <laughs> oh God! Well, we can't. We cannot blame Master Panjandrum. That's no. he is absolved from. From fault here. Clearly, uh, police brutality. Well, obviously. (laughs) Literally everything the Azorius do is police brutality. So, after, uh, while this battle's going on, I should say, Ral, Kaya, and Hikara sneak into the tower. Uh, They have to battle more of Tezzeret's constructs here uh, as they make their way up, but they make their way through pretty well until they finally reach the top and are confronted by Vraska and Lavinia. So, yeah, before they make it to the top, they're assaulted by some constructs that Tezzeret left behind. And um, they they are fairly challenging, but they, they make their way through it. And it's um, it's a decent fight scene, but it's no Niv versus Bolas. 
and <laughs> and it's no Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights versus Cops. <laughs> I have to agree that Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights is a, a, a it is a del- actually like it's it's good advertising because it was a delightful battle. Well, and it's also it's also nice to actually like finally see the Rakdos Guild do some fighting. Like, yeah, they're just clowning around, but like. Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights, like, is a combat troop also. Like, they have knives and swords and magic and all that stuff like anybody else. They just make it fun. Because Master Panjandrum's a genius. (laughs) He's probably a much better improv comic than I am, too. So, uh, Lavinia, just for those of you who have missed previous episodes or haven't read it, Lavinia is being controlled by a device that Tezzeret had planted on her in an earlier chapter. So she is fighting against them, but not in her will here. Uh, But we'll we'll talk about that device in a little bit. So let's move on to chapter 20, where Rao ends up dueling with Lavinia, and he's very hesitant to hurt her because he knows she's controlled by Bolas. And through his whole growth and story arc here, he's... You know, he's learned to become close to people again, and so he's he's very, very hesitant to hurt, like, one of his new friends. Yeah, had no problem shanking Melek. <laughs> he Growth. didn't. He did not. He did not have any problems just, like, fatalitying Melek way back in Return to Raptor. It's more of, like, new friend versus newest friend who was born yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> There's a forgiveness in there. Rao killed a baby. That's that's just canon. Oh god, not not this again. Facts. Alright, so <laughs> I, I will say thank God Rao killing Malek is like just kind of hand waved away and not like Dragon Lord level discourse. It's like, no, he's a bad guy, remember when he murdered and it's like, no, they just needed to do that because they needed a rare cycle. There was some of that. I think I've definitely seen people who really, really wanted to push Ral as uh, the villain, especially because of the tease back in Hour of Devastation. Oh, yeah, with that finale story. Should have just let there be two two mythics in the cycle, Imara and her two-drop elf legend (laughs) greatness and and Ral and no Melek needed, even though Melek is one of my commander decks and I love him greatly. I think Ral as like a complicated character is... A pretty good character because of that especially with his characterization in like these stories just like he you know we know we know we admit he was a thug <laughs> for a while there uh he literally like hurt people for money uh, which is legit twinks make the best thugs <laughs> oh, wow <sighs> i don't even know what to say to that one <laughs> um just keep talking <laughs> So anyway, let's move on with the story, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Ral and characterization uh, at the end. So <laughs> Hikara uh, ends up jumping in front of Lavinia's sword to save Ral while he was like in this mode, like, I can't hurt her. What do I do? And she dies, which we all know has happened, happened like for six months. So it's not, it's not that impactful, but it's she a nice scene. so much better. I, I like... I didn't know what to make of her when she first appeared, but, like, I've grown so in love with her. She's so great. Oh, my gosh. Okay, 
we knew she died and we knew she died in this fight. We didn't know she died sacrificing her safe, herself to save Ral like this. Yeah. That is really sweet. This is the story where shortly before that she said that's what she said, right? Uh, I forget which story it was in. But yes, and and the, that I think it's during this fight actually. And the that's what she said doesn't even make sense. She is fantastic. Yeah, that's why I loved it. Uh, she's she's just a great character. Lots of great non sequiturs, and uh, she's she's great. I I wasn't sure how much I would like her, but she's she was pretty fantastic. Go on Twitter at Gavin Verhey. Ask for a Hikara card in a future Commander product, please. Everyone is begging yeah. you. So Ral, in anger, fries the device on Lavinia's neck. And it appears that there's like a bolus spirit that was controlling her. Like, um, uh, I, I don't think it was a doctor, but it might have jested. It reminded me a lot of the imps that Bolas sends Tezzeret yeah. in, um, is that Gathering Forces? The one of the old web comics. Dark um, Discoveries. Oh, yeah. Dark Discoveries. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember the, the title of that one. Yeah. It's very similar to what Bolas uses to control Tezzeret in... <clears throat> test of metal um that's not a real book <laughs> <laughs> it isn't but i thought i'd mention it so kaya is there uh to kill the bolus spirit so she jumps and, and stabs it and it disappears it was like a piece of bolus's mind that's able to control people uh, and that's how all of these agents have been turned, is that they've essentially been possessed with some Tezzeret technological uh, and bolus magical abilities. So Vraska uh, takes the opportunity of Kaya's distraction to knock her out. Um, and Rao, being very upset that one of his friends just died, very upset at Vraska's betrayal, summons like a massive blast of energy. He melts a hole through the ceiling. Yeah, like massive lightning and tries to blast her, but she planes walks away just before. And so that's kind of where we pick up with the, the novel later. But the thing that we didn't know happened was back in the Undercity, we had mentioned much earlier that, uh, or we may have mentioned that uh, Vraska had set a mission to Storov. Storov? How do we say that one? Storov. 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 So uh, Storev leads Mazarek to a, a death trap set by Hikara, where uh, basically <laughs> it was pretty clever where Mazarek thinks he's in, in charge, essentially, because he's got the bolus support uh, and the erstwhile can't really defy him. But Storev, Storev just um, follows Vraska's order to lead him there, knowing what's going to happen. Uh, but Mazarek didn't specifically... Tell him, uh, tell her, not to um, take him into any death traps. So I guess there was a little bit of a loophole there. Uh, Ral activates the beacon back at the beacon tower, and uh, at the end of all this, Tezzeret informs Bolus that the plans are complete, and Bolus revels in his victory with the skull of the Firemind in his hand. And there's some really good fan art of that that actually came out pretty quickly. Uh, it came out the day we're recording on Thursday uh, that we can share. I'll, I'll, I retweeted it and we'll share it uh, with the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. It was an Inktober sketch. It's Hamlet-esque. 
So let's talk about the series overall. First of all, let's get get let's get opinions on this story. Personally, I think it's one of the 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 best magic stories we've had. What do you all think, Lorelai? Um, overall, Gathering Storm, absolutely one of the best. Um, collectively one of the best pieces of magic fiction some of the best magic writing in the history of the game um we've been saying that a lot recently i think we are in an era where magic is in the last couple years has has gotten some of its best stories period in the history of the game i really enjoyed i think i think mostly what i really enjoyed is all the different character interactions in this story um, and the characterizations. Um, I've mentioned it before in a bunch of episodes. The way each... So we, so we have main um, POV sections from Ralph, Raska, and Kaya. Um, there, there are three main POVs throughout um, these 20 chapters. And Django does this thing where all the um, exposition and descriptions around the dialogue is shaped differently depending on whose character POV it is. Um, descriptions are a little more sarcastic when it's Kaya's time to talk. Um, when when Raska is in, in the POV position, there's lots of talks about beauty and elegance and responsibility and aesthetics. When Ral is there, it's about... Um, emotions and intentions and and physical things and and the, the way he separates out those sections which you could do just with the little lines in the text and the change of POV um, it just makes every one of those sections feel like that character which is really powerful in getting inside each of these characters heads as all these various plot lines move I can't describe it any better than what you just said. <laughs> I have a degree. Yeah, I'm a math person, so... But yeah, I, I loved everything about these stories. Like, I, I... like Again, this is one of those things where, like when um, Nikki Drayden wrote about the stories with the, the lives of the people of Ravnica, I was, I've never been a huge fan of Ravnica and... The writers that Wizards has chosen to write these stories, um, specifically the Nikki Drayden stories and Django Wexler's works here, have just made me really appreciate all of the people of Ravnica um, and their different viewpoints. And um, and Django has just really killed... He, he's made me care about characters that I initially had very little desire to like. Yep. Um, and it's it's just been very very good. I think is it and Rakdos in particular were just incredibly well written, and I found myself giggling very very frequently when uh, when reading about various is it inventions and what they had originally been invented for until they were repurposed because they did not quite work as intended. Or the Rakdos performers, especially Master Panjan Drum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights. They're all they're all quite good. Indeed. This is probably the best second best block story that Magic has ever done, considering it an honorary block story. Um it's What's number one? Like Oh, excellent. Um Fair. but speaking from I guess 
like looking at it as the franchise, I don't think anybody, like say maybe one or two people who probably know who they are, cared that much about Rao prior to this. Um, <laughs> we were oversaturated with red, blue planeswalkers, to be fair. And Rao was always um, kind of just like existed in the secretist, existed as the T's and Amonkhet, and that was going to be it. And nobody was really certain like what even he was doing. And I don't think War of the Spark Ravnica exactly delved into it um, nearly as satisfactory as these stories did, but that's obviously a scale of focus. But all the stuff from that era that kind of got shafted originally, like Vraska and Rao and Tamio, these are the good examples, uh, from like that Innistrad to Ravnica to Theros kind of idea of story where it was like these planeswalkers existed and they didn't have very good examples of themselves in the stories and then they got to be kind of redesigned later on i think the gathering storm is like the best thing you could have expected or received for ral zarek as a character um it obviously builds on Vraska as well which most of that redoing was in ixalan but it rejuvenated the characters who were previously kind of like just bland ideas of a planeswalker rather than a planeswalker in itself and i think that's like the biggest victory for the gathering storm was actually making ral a character that people could care about yep yeah they were actually you're you hit the nail right on the head because all three of them were specifically created to be planeswalkers for a ravnica set you know ral and vraska early on but even kaya we learned kaya was created for war of the spark and they inserted her earlier into the um conspiracy set so that they could kind of seed her for later rather than have the ghost killer show up (laughs) right then yeah the they did a good job of like displaying her abilities and foreshadowing it pretty um obviously enough for like story fans to pick up on it but i don't know i don't think Personally, Domery got the satisfactory ending compared to where he started. Um, just kind of got realigned and they needed a planeswalker to die. But, like, Domery and Tibble, you just kind of like, they were who they were and now they're just like different extensions of that planeswalker. But you still don't exactly have a full story about them. Like, you don't feel like you know the character as well. And yeah, the bounce back to Raul and Vraska were perfect, perfect executions of that idea. Yeah, and like they've taken a character of Vraska who was created just to be an assassin in those colors. They wanted a planeswalker in green and black, and they made an assassin. And they had one tiny little story of her trying to kill Jace, and then um, very brief. Um, discussion um, about uh, her origins, um, which which framed her as like a political revolutionary, which w- wasn't apparent in anywhere else in any of the canon. Yeah, between Ixalan and Gathering Storm, Vraska as a character now exists as a portrait of abuse and trauma, and um, the steps that can be taken to heal wounds the way those wounds scar over but still hurt 
a lot of Raska's actions in Gathering Storm are because Bolas is peeling open bandages and rubbing salt in her own psychic wounds. Um, and it's it's hard to read because Raska is literally being forced to relive her traumas. And it is creating a mental image of herself that is... It's the depression brain. Um, it's it's really similar to the way I think about how my depression works, where um, I the, the most common uh, metaphor I use for my depression is it's like a black hole where once you cross over the event horizon, um, it it just totally warps. You know, even light and gravity and physics itself around itself in a way that is imperceivable when when the depression isn't being felt. Um, Vraska hits that moment. She hits that moment in the middle of these stories where all the growth and progress she made in Ixalan starts to unravel because Bolas is picking at it. And she falls back into her, uh, her old unhealthy behaviors and her own unhealthy mental attitudes. And that is, it's really real and really grounded and, and hard to read and, we have a character in Magic the Gathering who does that, which is amazing to me. Because relatable. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a little mess, less murdery about it, but <laughs> as far as you all know. So I think the the few things I want to say about each of these main characters is uh, Rao, I think, gets a great humanizing arc from the typical... Oh, I'm a genius. I'm smarter than everyone else. I can just be an ass. It shows the cost of being an ass and shows him trying to be better, which I think is important. And it shows how he got to that point. And it's not just I'm smarter than everyone else. It is he has had to lean on his intellect to survive um, as opposed to leaning on your intellect because you, you got bullied. Know, or some some dumb reason that we hate <laughs> that we hate in uh, a lot of real people today when they act like that. Kaya, what I want to say is, I think her powers were displayed excellently in this. Like when I first read the first chapter with Kaya and how she scales the uh, how, how she scales the Orzhov Cathedral, the uh, into or Orzhova. It was just so great because we hadn't really seen, we'd seen her like go through walls and stuff, but those kind of complicated intangibility moves uh, where she has like one arm outside grabbing a handhold while she's still inside is just a very clever use of her powers that was very fun to read. Yep. I love Django's ability to describe the metaphysics of how old people are doing the th cool things that they're doing with their powers like that was really something that i really appreciated um and i, I hope these kind of storytelling devices are used going forward because like i love knowing how people are doing things and it kind of annoys me at times with a lot of the older stories where we don't really get a, a full description of how their powers are being how the characters themselves think about how they're using their powers like what like the way that kaya describes or thinks about how she's doing the things she's doing like thinking about oh i've got to put my hand through this guy's face metaphor or like and then stab him when he's like 
like when he overreaches or something like those kind of descriptions made me super happy because it made me get a feel for what the character's limitations and strengths are or how they and how they adjust to those limitations so i i, I love that i think that's a good point it's tricky though um anytime you get to the point where explaining magical things um which I will lump in uh, sci-fi tech things because they are magic um, functionally um, is it's, it's very easy to get into mini chlorian space and mm-hmm. that's not where you want to go. Um, it, so it's, it's a tough line to walk. And, and I agree that Django did a really good job. Yeah, exactly. Like the way he did it was just masterful and I loved it. There isn't a ton of physicality to Planeswalker's power sets that we typically see featured, which is, I think, part of the issue. Like, Gideon is a very physical character, but his magic really wasn't... I mean, not anymore. Oh, yeah. he's Well, he's physical. He's just disintegrated. Uh, <laughs> um, there isn't a ton of physicality to those powers, so we don't really get a good sense of that kind of thing. It's just like, you know, a lot of them, it's just blast blast or you know something along those lines uh if they'd ever explored gideon's hieromancy and the chains and stuff that he learned to use i think we might have seen cool maneuvers like that but it was cool to see in kaya and the last thing i wanted to say about vraska is i really liked the political maneuvering for her character as she gets backed more and more into a corner first she has she has the coup and kills Gerard, but um, the very thing she used to get him to submit is then leveraged against her, you know, shocked Pikachu face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, as she gets maneuvered closer and closer and realizes, oh, maybe her ally wasn't really as into this for the same reasons she was or was more willing to accept Bolus's deal oh geez now i'm just thinking about the bachelor and and or the bachelorette and and like bolus isn't here for the right reasons uh yeah so i think i think it was really interesting seeing her maneuvering and how she was compromised throughout this whole thing she gives up she yeah by the end she's just like i i don't even know what to do about this and she play she does what planeswalkers do best and left but as we see later, she she does come back. We have to talk about Ral and Tomic because they're adorable. They are such sweethearts. And that whole, the way that whole relationship was handled is just like so grounded and real. And like it, it gets to be mostly good and wholesome. And then there's like this one little rocky part at the end. But like as every, as all the plans are falling apart around everything else, Ralentomic hit a rocky part, but they are the one thing that kind of get to reconverge in a really nice, wholesome, and supportive way. And so, like, we, we get to have two characters in Magic that not only are gay, but, like, actually just get to have a good, healthy, happy relationship. Look at that. <laughs> um, everything isn't terrible. Yeah, that's that's a rarity in Magic canon. And so, so that was really, really nice to see. Um, especially, like... Especially in contrast with Ral's past relationships, like because again, this speaks to the way he's characterized, where um, he did a lot of crappy stuff in his life, and now he's at a point in his life where stuff is good, and like he's not telling Tomic everything yet, and you know, 
there's they still have a lot of issues to work out we don't know um you know after 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 the whole war we don't know how their relationship is going to be able to exist on raptica with them still being higher ups in the guilds and stuff um i mean i mean <laughs> rallis guildmaster and again this is this is like this is like the president of one country dating the secretary of state of another um that's the kind of political weirdness that Ral and Tomic are in and uh I don't know I'm I'm just happy for them they are written extremely well uh Django is very good uh at queer relationships uh a lot of his G- guns of the I think it's called guns of the empire or or I forget what the name of the 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 trilogy is called but it's the 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 series is called but it starts with the thousand names you know it stars uh, a lesbian <laughs> Oh I like those Yeah I figured you would um who is posing as a man to join the army to escape from a home that expected her to marry a man and it goes very deep into her relationships and it's it's all very very well written and like Hakara too, Hakara is very clearly pansexual and not afraid of any of it. Um, and it's just fun to see a character so open about stuff and like so delightful. Like every one of these characters was delightful. But you're not going to bring up Bolas's sapiosexuality? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I'm not. We'll save that for next week. Okay. Um, look, I, I will give Bolas and Tezzeret credit for one thing, uh, which I did last week. And look, I don't know if I want to hear this. No. The mind control collars are hot. That's a good thing. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Okay. I think on that note, let's move on to final thoughts. So, so we were at final thoughts where we can all talk about Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights. So my final thought is not going to be about Master Panjandrum's car, uh, Extraordinary Carnival of Delights. It is going to be about uh, if you really liked Django in this story, or I've seen a lot of comments asking uh, if there's going to be a collection, the best thing you can do is show your support of Django and the collect- and getting a collection um, and just get your voice out there. Watsi has accounts on Reddit and Twitter and Tumblr, and they do surveys. And uh, if if you want to see a collection, if you want to see Django write more magic stories, say so. At Wizards of the Coasts, tell them. Be nice and polite about it, too, because you should always be nice and polite when interacting with people on the other ends of accounts like that, because they're humans and they have to go through a lot of crap. My final thought is also not about Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights, but um, it is about 3D printing, and I'm just so fun. It's, it's There's a lot of things you can do. And <laughs> I saw your 3D printer when we were at uh, staying at your house for uh, MF Atlanta. It was really nice. Yes, amongst the disaster area that is my office, it is here, and... Um, it's fun. It's there's a lot of learning involved, but um, there could be some frustrating moments. But the moments where you get your your things printed off perfectly, it, it there's no greater feeling, or there are greater feelings, but it's an, it's an excellent <laughs> it's <high> feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, the ones you printed for us—I don't know if we've even mentioned this on the cast—but Brian printed us all, um, each of us, a 
little commander holder with oh, along yeah. with the little dice. Those are so sweet. I don't know how to say this. Dice, tr- not even dice. They're dies. Um, the dice trays, um, dice along with the life counter on there. Dices, yes. Um, so you could keep track of all the commander damage and stuff. Has been extremely invaluable. I know Ashley loved it because it was a little fidget toy for the spinner. <laughs> and I also love it for that reason too. But no, thank you for those because those are like really, really fucking cool. They have our logo yeah, that was on great. them. Yes, they also have our logo on them, which is why it relates to the cast or why I forgot. Um, my final thoughts getting a little bit serious this week, but happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> For for what it's worth, I didn't do my final thought. I was that was a comment I had on Jay's, and I just didn't do your get final thought. Then. Well, That's fine. good because my final thought is actually about Master Penjandrum's extraordinary carnival of delights. Oh, please, <laughs> um, no, I, I lied. We're 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 done with Master Penjandrum's extraordinary carnival of delights. Uh, my final thought is that um, the Haribo sour gold bears are delicious, and I have given myself two tummy aches making eating them today, and. Um, that was a mistake, but it was a delicious mistake. So good. And with that, we end our show. So if you, too, listeners out there, are fans of Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights, you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and show your appreciation for the fact that we said that so many times this week, and I think we nail it every time, almost every time. We probably slipped up once or twice. I don't know. I think we did a pretty good job. And if that impresses you can head over to Patreon and support the show today because we can't make this show without y'all's support every week because it takes a lot of work and time and effort and monies to do so. And uh, we super appreciate that we get to do this. It's really fun. Uh, We enjoy it. Uh, We know y'all do too. And that's nice. So we have some rewards on there for the people who do support us. Uh, Everyone, who donates to the show gets access to our discord community where Vorthoses around the world are talking about master panjandrum's extraordinary carnival of delights and among other vorthos things um wrapping up with eldraine pretty much because we are we are very close to theros beyond death uh we've got a couple of weeks we'll be talking about our theros introductory stuff to refresh people who have been to Theros before or to introduce it to some of the newer folks. So uh, get ready for that soon. Um, And then every month we do a short episode called Pull from the Deep, which is just a a little bonus thing about a topic that we wouldn't normally talk about on the show. You get to know a fun little thing about us because they're usually special interest topics. Uh, They're neat. And then at our highest tier... We have our live listeners who get to listen to us record uh, Thursday nights around 7, 7.30 Eastern Time, and they get our episodes a couple weeks early. They get to hear all the ridiculous things that we cut out of episodes when we mess up horribly, which does happen, um, <laughs> and they get to hang out with us uh, before and To after me more than show. anyone else, really. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple days early, not weeks early. <laughs> did I say weeks? Yes. <laughs> well... Yeah, days. <laughs> See, that's a thing that could get cut. Who knows? <laughs> and and they get to hang out with us before and after the cast a little bit because we're bored and we like chatting with folks. So that's fun. So uh, once again, thank you, everybody who supports us. 
Thank you all for listening. This has been Master Panjandrum's Extraordinary Carnival of Delights. It's actually been the Vorthos cast. <laughs>